You've heard nothing. Uh, folks, I'm going to have to start over because no one heard what I was saying. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm literally Spike Cohen. Uh, we're going to be having a great conversation with you about uh, nuclear energy. Anyone who knows me knows that this is a subject that is near and dear to me. Uh, and I'd like to thank you for taking a break from your Wednesday evening to tune in and watch this. This is a Muddy Waters Media production. Check us out on Facebook. I can't believe that whole thing was, was muted. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Anchor, Twitter, Periscope, iTunes, Google Play, Float, Twitch, everywhere that you can watch or listen to things. These are among the things, or we are among the things to which you can listen. Be sure to like us, follow us, five star us, subscribe to us. If it's on YouTube, don't just do that, but hit the bell so that your phone can blow up. And now you'll be able to actually hear us. So that'll be fun. And be sure to share this right now. The last thing that I want is you and your closest loved ones to miss out on a roughly hour long or so libertarian podcast on a Wednesday evening. Be sure to give the gift of Spike Cohen today. Kids love it. This episode, of course, is brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing waffle-related caucus in not just this party and not just this country, but any party in any country at any point in human history. Go to the Facebook group, Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, to become a member today. And if you want to become a duly seated voting member, because that I, we don't vote, but if you want to be able to vote in the future, uh, then be, go, be sure to go to muddiedwatersmedia.com slash store, and you can buy a Waffle House Caucus button. And we also now have shirts. We have shirts, so you can let everyone know that you're a part of this thing, and just you can confuse them as much as I was confused when I made this. So thank you so much for that. This episode, of course, is also brought to you by The Gravy King. And this episode is brought to you by Nug of Knowledge Smokable CBD Products. It's, it's weed. Um, if you uh, uh, Nug of Knowledge is not your everyday CBD supplier because they're selling weed. And a portion of the profits go to help end the disastrous war on drugs. They have a compassionate use program that donate, donates their medicinal hemp products, that's what they call it, uh, to veterans and people with disabilities who cannot afford weed. Uh, many people who use it say that it helps with joint pain stress relief, and or a much-needed pick-me-up because that's what happens when you smoke weed. Uh, if you want to buy some weed on the internet, uh, just go to nugofknowledge.com and use the checkout code SPIKE to get 10% off of the weed. Uh, of course, you want to make sure it's legal where you live, blah, 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 so forth. This episode is also brought to you by Joe Soloski, who's running as Libertarian for Pennsylvania governor. Joe Soloski is the key to Pennsylvania's success. Uh, and if you'd like to help him in his campaign as Libertarian to run to be Pennsylvania's next governor, go to Joe Soloski, that's J-O-E-S-O-L-O-S-K-I, I've practiced that, dot com to see how you can help. Uh, and of course, this episode is brought to you, as always, by personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. If you live in Florida or if you are in Florida and during your time in Florida, you find yourself to be injured personally, personally injured then that is, I mean, that's not good. It would be better if you weren't. But if you are, there's nothing you can do about it now other than to try to get some money for it. Chris Reynolds can help you with that. He can help you sue the person or persons who personally injured you and get you a ridiculously large amount of money for it. I can't guarantee that's what's going to happen, but he'll try his best. He's a good guy. He'll definitely be able to do it. ChrisReynoldsLaw.com to see how he can help you. Uh, the intro and outro music to this and every single episode of My Fellow Americans comes from the amazing and talented Mr. Joe Davi. That's J-O-D-A-V-I. Be sure to check him out on his Facebook. 
Uh, go to his SoundCloud. Go to his Bandcamp, joedavimusic.bandcamp.com. Buy his entire discography. It's like $25. You're going to love it. Uh, and I'd like to thank you. Thank Le Bleu for this delicious ultra-pure water. Kosher. We determined that this has more oxygen in it than, than water's supposed to have. Uh, my understanding was it's... Is it two parts oxygen and one part hydrogen? Or is it two parts hydrogen? No, two parts oxygen, one part hydrogen, I believe. This says it's 11% hydrogen and 89% oxygen. So this is GMO water. It's delicious, though. So I'd like to thank LeBlue for this delicious, unnatural, overly oxygenated water. Blue Malka. No, I think it's the opposite. I think it's actually light, super light water because it's only just just oxygen. Um, my uh, my guest said in my ear that it, that maybe it's heavy water. I think it's actually, I don't know what it is. It tastes good. I've I've been drinking it for years and have not died or grown any anything weird. Well, I do have MS. This is not a good endorsement. Anyway, uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Tehran Turks' momentum. As always, folks, my guest tonight is an absolute. I probably I've never I'm gonna not say that this water gives me MS because I don't I have no proof of that. My guest tonight is uh, is an incredible person who has uh, if you've heard anything about nuclear energy specifically thorium energy uh, from any libertarian more than likely it came as a result of some gentle cajoling from my next guest. Uh, he is an expert on energy from thorium so much so that he is actually the chair and founder of the Libertarian Party Energy from Thorium Caucus. He is going to talk to us about this absolutely incredible uh, technology that is available and just we aren't able to use it. And uh, so we're going to have a talk about that. Ladies and gentlemen, my fellow Americans, Please welcome to the show my guest, the amazing and talented Mr. James M. Ray. James, so much, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, gosh. Spike, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for your kindness to me ever since I met you, actually. Um, one of the things that I like to focus on or try to focus on is some of the kindnesses of libertarians that I've, I've experienced over the years. And let me talk about a few of them really briefly before we get to Thorium, because this is important. Sure. David Nolan was one of the founders of our party, and he was so nice to me. He didn't have to be. I mean, he was just so nice to me on Facebook. And there was another guy in Florida named Harry Reid. And you think Harry Reid, you think this asshole corrupt Nevada senator. But right, that's what I was thinking. A Florida, a Florida libertarian and an anarchist and a real one. And he... Harry would have a party for everyone, potluck, on the 8th, 18th, and 28th of every month at 8 p.m. at his house. You didn't have to call. You just came. If you didn't have anything, that's fine. But generally, you, you, you should bring food or a drink. Um, he would also have the world's best Christmas parties, the world's best May Day parties. He would celebrate the, the demise of socialism before the Berlin Wall fell. He was so positive about, you know, the victory of free markets. He would have the best July 4th parties ever. And when he died of cancer, he, he, he donated his body to science, you know, and this was totally a hairy thing. So he was just totally kind. Um, let me mention a few other people. Um, Allison Foxall, now Fulton, and Sammy Brooks, and maybe a few others, and I'm forgetting them, and if so, I apologize, were kind enough to run for office after I pestered them. Allison, I, I 
really cajoled her for a rather long time, but she was a great candidate. And even though we didn't get a very many votes, we made the bad guys spend two, two Lamborghinis, not just one, two Lamborghinis. And all we spent was a, a new Honda Civic, basically. Um, I want to say one, one other nice thing before we, before we get started on um, Thorium, you know, well, mm -hmm. Matt Wright, your co-host, yes. has these hilarious intros, and they make me laugh every week, you know, especially with the pr crazy preacher and these Biden ones, and they're just awesome. But, um, you know, I, I could yammer about polyface farm, social security being structural racism. I've got all kinds of rants that'll drive you nuts. Let's talk about thorium. The reason that we want thorium for the LP is that it's such a good idea that our enemies are going to steal it from us. And it's just like cannabis. We've got to let them steal it and then let them take credit for it because that's what they did with cannabis. But as long as we get our way and get something like this and get the prosperity into the hands of people, not just us, because it's easy to imagine what you can do if your electric bill is suddenly 20% of what it was. What's difficult to imagine is what's going to happen if we suddenly give the world the free pony of that much cheaper electricity worldwide. You know, there are Edison's and Tesla's and, and Einstein's in, you know, Africa or Asia or God knows where right now that can't even afford to, you know, live practically. And if right. we make living a lot more prosperous and a lot cheaper for them, suddenly, you know, it's going to be good for us. Their prosperity will benefit us in ways that we cannot imagine. You know, because I've lived long enough to live from when bandwidth was scarce to when now I, I'm famous for falling asleep on Wednesday nights, actually, on Zoom calls, you know, and this right. is what I do. And, you know, when I was a child, we vied for long distance minutes with my grandmother, which who we really loved. But um, ener energy from thorium is the closest thing that we can promise to uh, our good friend Vermin Supreme's free pony. You said tonight, right before the show, that it's also close to zombie power. It's it's very, it is very very similar to zombie power. Before we get started on thorium, folks, be sure to comment with your thoughts and your questions, and James and I will tell you if you are in fact right or wrong. I don't know why that's showing right there, but we can fix that. Uh, so James, before we get started on that, I just want to ask you, what is it that brought you to libertarianism and the libertarian party? I mean, everyone has their either aha moment or gradual evolution over time. Everyone's got their Genesis story. Tell us the James M. Ray Genesis story. I knew in elementary school before I was even in high school that I didn't really belong, you know, with other people opinion wise and I tried to get along with them and I liked them and all that but I was just I, I knew I was different even even then I did I knew I didn't belong you know and so it was it, it was uncomfortable because the LP didn't even exist and when the LP existed I didn't learn about it for quite a while you know but I find I voted for Berglund in 1984 and mm -hmm. Dr. Ron Paul with my dad uh, in 1988. By the way, mom and dad both worked for NASA, so I'm super into space. And one of the things about thorium, there's many benefits to thorium, but one of the things about thorium is plutonium-238 can be produced easily or more easily with um, liquid fluoride thorium reactors. And that's the thing that allows us to power the Perseverance rover and the both of the Voyagers are, are powered by that, this stuff. It has a 
think a 98 year half-life has it has a long 80 something year half-life it has a it has a long half-life and so that's the the time that it sits there being very very hot uh, temperature wise so nasa can use it for these batteries with no moving parts and moving parts are a big problem in space Right, of course, of course. So you got into libertarianism uh, very young. well. You knew you always knew there was something uh, there was something different, but then you know you found the Libertarian Party later. We're glad to have you here. Now, I what got you? Tell us how you first found out about thorium. And let's actually, you know what? I think that will probably be told in explaining what it is. In the most simple terms, pretend that you're talking to a middle-aged Jew in his guest room, who is not 100% sure of the science behind this, break down what energy from thorium is and how it differs from the nuclear energy that we're most commonly using now. And then from there, we can get into the benefits. What, how, what is it and how is it different? Okay, let me, uh, you, you were right to, to ask about how I first heard of it, because that's kind of part, important part. Okay, I first right. heard of it in school. I was looking through en encyclopedias. It, 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 we didn't have the internet back then. And, and so, and I was, you know, I, I read constantly, you know, and, and girls were, of course, disgusted and repulsed by me. So I pretty much had nothing else to do but read. And so I'm reading through this encyclopedia. And there's this thing about a nuclear-powered airplane idea, the idea for a nuclear-powered airplane, and the gist of the encyclopedia entry, and it was about a page and a half or something, said, gee, this was a fucking crazy idea. Look at these people. The, the Cold War was really crazy. We wanted to fly nuclear airplanes around with, with molten nuclear material inside them, you know, and airplanes are destined to crash, and so this is a crazy idea, blah, blah, blah. And it didn't really mention or talk about or emphasize the new type of reactor. And so, you know, we, we went along, but the kind of reactor that is used, and it's used because of first mover advantage, which is, as a Bitcoin user, you know, is a very powerful thing. It's very, very my powerful. Eagle, my eagle days, first mover advantage is a huge power. But anyways, um, when, when the light water reactor was invented, it was invented for a very specific thing, the nuclear Navy. And yep. they use... Zircon in, encapsulated material. It's a it's a uranium oxide. It's a ceramic material, and they don't really burn up very much of the uranium. But it's in these in these tubes, and it gets hot, and you have this pressurized water, and then you have this other water that you heat, and and you use that to make steam, and you have to put it under enormous pressure, or this whole thing doesn't work. Well, the idea with nuclear reactors with thorium that okay and, and the guy who invented it is named alvin weinberg and he was an absolute genius a huge under underreported understated genius then he was kind of disenchanted with his own invention his own idea and he went off to oak ridge and back then we didn't really have that much communication among our different you know facilities and labs there wasn't really that much of an internet back then you know the email right. was barely being invented and all and stuff like that and so different facilities had different research focuses and Oak Ridge was focused on molten salt, but the more politically connected place was um, Fermi lab in, in uh, I think Chicago. And it was focused on um, different kinds of reactors, some of which to me sound very dangerous. The, there, there are arguments 
that smarter people can than me can make for using molten sodium. But sodium, even, even in its non-molten form, if you take a hunk of sodium and throw it in a pond, it explodes. You don't have to light it on fire or anything. It just blows up. And um, those are those are cool YouTube videos, by the way. If you, if you have kids, um, search for alkali metals. There, there's nothing like them. You know, th these are very entertaining chemistry experiments. But you don't want to do a nuclear reactor with them. Right. You don't want to make a reactor out of something that explodes easily. Right. Yeah. You want th this kind of reactor. Okay. If, if it is punctured, it's not under pressure. If it is punctured, the salt, which is gross and hot and all that, is going to weep out of it, but it's going to, you know, go pour out into a drain pan. It's not going to really, you know, burn off in, in a meltdown type of scenario. There's nothing really flammable about it. You know, some, right. some of the earliest reactors used um, graphite, which has many properties that are good for reactors, but also graphite burns and, you know, Chernobyl. I mean, it, it's a bad idea. But our first reactor, you know, at um, and, and the one in Chicago, I don't know my nuclear history well enough. I really should learn it better. And it, it's fascinating history. And, and um, the people who do know it don't know all that much about the Oak Ridge history because that was kind of erased. Once we decided, okay, don't do it, then, you know, they, they just We're going with this, right. right. Whole, we, don't, we don't want to consider this idea. And then when people like Kirk Sorensen, who's a hero, by the way, um, decided to start considering the idea again, it, it was weird. Um, it, you know, it, it was, why, why weren't we doing this all along type of thing? And the answer is, aside from the, the first mover advantage and the, you know, kind of the that kind of thing. There's also regulatory capture. The Nuclear Regulatory Commission, which is a government agency, has these bureaucrats in it, and the bureaucrats want to keep their bureaucrat job. And the bureaucrat job is very safe and you know a pretty yeah. cushy job. They're gonna have a nice retirement and all that. They don't exactly. want to risk a new kind of reactor. And there's, you know, they go out and, and have dinner and play golf with these reactor guys and all that. They, they know these guys. They know these guys' reactors. They know these guys are pretty safe normally. I mean, Three Mile Island happened and all that. But one of the reasons that we know the names of Fukushima Daiichi and Three Mile Island and Chernobyl and all that is because nuclear accidents are just so damn rare. You know, yep. I mean, there's yep. there's coal and, and oil accidents that just kill a few all the time. Yeah. And so, you know, it, nuclear gets a bad rap. And all right, this is going to be controversial. And I don't really want to defend it that much because I'm not smart enough. But there's an, a, a whole idea called radiation hormesis. OK, and I don't want to say the atomic bomb was a good thing or anything like that. But there you know, we have human experiments and not just the atomic bombs. We have, there, there's this building that they built in Taiwan where a dude decided, hey, I know how to make cobalt steel really cheap, cheaply. I can take this surplus cobalt 60 and make the steel out of that. And he did and made a whole skyscraper. And basically he started, you know, irradiating and zapping this giant unwitting human trial for like a decade before anyone found out that this building is hot. And it This was in Taiwan? I think it was Taiwan. It turns out that people I, are getting I, less cancer. And it's such a right. weird, you know, this is one of those weird health factoids that only libertarians would know. Like, you know, cigar smokers and, and pipe smokers actually get less, um, live longer. They get more cancer, but they live longer than non-smokers because cigar smoking and pipe smoking is correlated with wealth and poverty sucks enough to kill you. 
And, you know, the, the tobacco stats, this, the, this is one of those libertarian things where you have to be a, a libertarian to know this. You know, the government doesn't trumpet those statistics because, you know, why are these people living longer? They're doing something unhealthy. Well, and, and, and like you said, this is the nature of, of government over decentralized voluntary planning. Government planning tends to lean towards, well, is there any reason to innovate? N no? Okay, we won't innovate. Whereas in the, for lack of a better word, private sector or the voluntary or for-profit sector, the people are more, or even nonprofits, but in the voluntary sector, they have a vested interest in innovating because they're trying to create the new innovations that will make things better. Whereas in government, there's, it's, it's, it's weird when it's time to, uh, um, uh, capitalize on a crisis to exert more control, they move quickly. But when it's time to innovate for the betterment of something, they move incredibly slowly because they don't make any additional money from doing that. Now, I want to ask you, because before we get into... Um, it's even more evil than that, though, Spike, because I don't sure. know if you've heard about Price Anderson or not. Have you? I've heard of him, yeah. No, no, Price Anderson is like a, a it's a, a bill. I think Price was the Republican and Anderson was the Democrat or something like that. Oh, see, I always thought Price Anderson was the actual person that introduced it. Well, now I know something new, but go ahead. I, I, I could be wrong. I'm so ignorant. No, you're probably right. You're probably right. It's, it's a protectionist program. It, it, it prevents, it's a, don't worry about it. The taxpayers are going to pick up the bill if a disaster right. happens program, which is exactly the opposite incentive that we should be giving these executives. I mean, you wonder why Matt Groening drew the Simpsons like he did. And the reason yep. is because he was right. I mean, the Simpsons is kind of an anti-nuclear cartoon, even though I love them. I got to say, you know, it's, yeah. you know, Homer throwing that glowing thing around and all that, you know, okay. But he had a point. And the point is this Price Anderson thing gives the, the plants incentives, perverse incentives not to be safer. And the great right. thing about a liquid fluoride thorium reactor is that it uses gravity as the pump. Let's say everybody dies in the whole plant and all the machines go off and something bad's happening, okay? There's this thing at the bottom of the reactor, that the reactor is this vessel full of molten, horrible radioactive salt. And there's this thing at the bottom of the reactor that they blow a fan on. It's kind of a kink in the pipe that they blow a fan on that keeps the, the reactor full. That, that fan goes off, the, the power dies, the plug melts, and suddenly gravity makes the, the reactor go to a, a safe mode, basically. And this all happens without any humans, without any machines, without any moving parts. And right. that's the key. That's the, the difference with Fukushima Daiichi, because Fukushima, Fukushima Daiichi actually, I don't want to call it a success, but I mean, so, some, of those, some of those generators ran for hours underwater which is right. kind of amazing, you know, I mean, and very good because you needed the, especially, especially in the first few hours, you needed the cooling because that's such a dangerous type of reactor. You right. know? And, and those reactors, they, those reactors have all this fuel that is spent fuel. That's not really spent that sits around and um, everybody should watch the five minute video that, that will explain a lot more than I can about this, but that's, that fuel is, is spent fuel for a, a light water reactor but it's potential fuel for a liquid fluoride reactor and the safest thing to do is not to take it anywhere to take a reactor and build it on top of the fuel you know as close to the fuel as possible so you're not taking the risk of transporting it to yucca mountain trying right, to bury right, right. it enormous expense you know and we do so many expensive things 
with nuclear. It's ridiculous. There's this, all right, I'm going to get back into radiation hormesis. And I prob promised I wouldn't, but there's this thing called the linear th no threshold hypothesis that says because radiation can kill you, any radiation is bad for you. And this is not really true. You know, I mean, sunburn can give you skin cancer and it might yet give me skin cancer, but a little bit of sun is kind of good for you. It gets you vitamin D. And so there's the same is true of radiation. <coughs> a little bit of radiation I think is good for you is arguably at least not bad for you, but I am not a doctor. I am a libertarian ignoramus. Don't listen to me. Read it, read up on radiation hormesis. Okay. So on, when it comes to, to thorium, it's providing the same amount of energy. It is safer. As you said, it's got basically a built-in uh, uh, safety that by the very virtue, by the very nature of how it works, if, if some natural disaster was to happen like a Fukushima and everyone died or wasn't able to get to it, it would simply just naturally go out from gravity. Uh, also, a big part of this, and, and I don't know the exact number, you can tell me this, but my understanding is that the uh, reactor, the uh, radioactive half-life of the, of the spent uh, thorium is considerably lower than that of the, the other more traditional forms that are be used, used. Isn't that correct? Well, yeah, it's, it's kind of even better than that. I mean, th this is where it starts sounding too good to be true because, okay. you know, all that the really good stuff that space geeks like me want is plutonium-238. And if you have an only U-233, no U-235, no, no U-238 reactor, if you just have thorium and U-233, you could, in theory, make a whole lot of this good stuff, the, the red hot, you know, for 87 years, powers the Voyagers, powers the Perseverance rovers type of stuff. And this is good. And it also makes medical isotopes, these, um, oh God, I, I can't explain this stuff, but um, it's, it, it binds to a cell, a cancer cell, specifically to a cell. They take a tiny, a microgram of this stuff and the thing goes and binds to the cell and then an alpha particle knocks it out. And, okay. Um, it's it I, i'm not smart enough to explain this to people <laughs> we no but this is so what, the, what the, i can explain is abundance i mean we can have and oh, i forgot okay we can end or at least reduce the risk of war because we can have abundance of fresh water a lot of the conflicts even in the middle east are not just over oil they're over fresh water and yep. fresh water is a problem around here actually i'm i could talk for hours about hemp for water and my cannabis activism. My, my God, I'll bore you people to death. But, you know, and, and we could have fixed the problem that's happening right like 20 miles from here, 20 years ago, if they had listened to libertarians. One of the hashtags I'm trying to get trending is listen to libertarians, but nobody trends my hashtags. You know, I've, one of my other things, I'm famous for this actually, is I'm trying to re-legalize 190 proof Yep. rain alcohol in Florida. And I'm infamous or famous for this, you know, and I don't know why this is so hard because DeSantis, I mean, I don't want to get ranting. I, I, I'll, I'll get off topic. Let's stick with thorium, please. <laughs> so ask me about that sometime. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I definitely will. So w with thorium, it is just so I understand the radioactivity, the half-life of it's actually less. So you aren't stuck with something with like a, you aren't stuck with a spent fuel that takes 
tens of thousands of years to go inert. It's something that's a matter of dozens or hundreds of years and can be much more easily used in the meantime for, like you said, like space exploration, medical uses and things like that. So this is not just better for energy, but it's better in every way. Yeah, and they could do special reactors, okay? They could have one kind of reactor for the space geeks that makes a whole bunch of, of, of plutonium-238. They could have another kind of reactor that's optimized for just making electricity because people need electricity. And right. they could have another kind of reactor that, you know, makes, say, desalinated water, but also really, really, really wants to burn up waste. And they could just... And, you, and in this kind of reactor, you can leave the waste forever, you know, and just keep pounding it with neutrons over and over and over and you know finally things burn up you know that right the kind of reactors we have right now they have to switch out the the fuel and it's kind of like it's kind of like sticks in a fire or something where you're you know around a campfire after a while you have to adjust the sticks to keep things burning you know because there there's unburned parts of them sticking out there's burned parts all in the middle and so you have to you know a nuclear reactor a solid fuel nuclear reactor is that way that's why you want to do your chemistry in liquids or gases. And that's why Weinberg, you know, was for this. He, he had a chemistry background as well as a, a physics background. And the man was a genius, man. I mean, he was an example of, of, you know, politicians being stubborn and not listening to the genius guy who already invented the other kind that he's dissing. He himself is dissing his own invention. And they're sitting there and not listening to him. Now, question, why... Do you how much of this is the the fact that you know you mentioned first mover advantage for the for you know light and heavy water reactors and things like that, but how much of this is also because those other forms of of power generation are much better suited for making nuclear weapons? In fact, they're actually some of them are actually better suited for making nuclear weapons than for actual power generation. How much of it is that that this was the the a, a, a dog being wagged by the tail of the military industrial complex? That's a really good question. And I'm not the greatest person to answer it. I okay. know that early on after Nagasaki, they, you know, they were trying to, you know, posture to the Russians that we had lots of nukes. And the truth was that they didn't really have any that they knew would work and they didn't know when they could get some for a while. You know, they were building them as fast as they could. But right. In the beginning, they, they had, you know, they were scared that they had very few. And, of course, the Russians had really good spying programs inside of our program all the time. Um, and, and it turns out the Chinese probably do, too. The Chinese didn't even need to spy for um, energy from thorium stuff. Kirk Sorensen just open sourced it, you know, which is good. I mean, I want the Chinese to do this because then the politicians in the usa will get off their asses oh oh i i've messed up this okay i'm scatterbrained tonight spike but how i how i first you know heard of energy energy from thorium was in 2008 because this geeky dude asked president obama hey why aren't you doing this thing and so rather i'm listening to obama and he you know he didn't really answer but i'm googling this thing and this just set me down the rabbit hole you know right in 2008 and so and for a while i was advocating for the Democrats to do this, I wasn't really bothering libertarians with energy consortium stuff that much. Or if I did, I was the worst because I would like link to like a, an hour and a half long video that I liked. And it turns out that I'm not a very normal person. And so I like these really long Google tech talks videos. Right, right, right. 
normal people quit listening after three minutes of a video. The five minute one is actually too long. Okay. Yeah. And you know, the, and the Google engineers ha have assured us that, that this is true. Anyway, you know, I failed to convince the Obama administration from 2008, you know, on, I, I failed to convince them. And then I failed to convince uh, Trump. He, he appointed Rick Perry, who's kind of a doofus, but I'm, I'm for doofus power. I'm a doofus too, you know, and um, he appointed Rick Perry to do it. And I thought Rick was going to do better than he did, but at least, you know, they, they kind of postured at new regulation, but I am excited about Ricky Dale Harrington. He would have executive power as a governor to mm -hmm. allow all kinds of experimentation. I think I do not know. And it would be, you know, possibly dependent on some federal issues. Who knows? I'm not a lawyer. Um, I, I would just want to free up this kind of, of experimentation inside the USA because it's not very dangerous. And here's what's going to happen if we don't do it. The Chinese are the Chinese are going to do this, you know, and possibly other countries will, too. If I were the Iranians, I mean, I wouldn't care about a nuclear weapon. I would care about building one of these things, a, li a liquid fluoride reactor is way, way more valuable than a nuclear weapon. Well, let, let me ask you this. Um, someone in the comments, let me find that comment, actually. Someone asked, uh, can thorium salt reactors, can they help burn off nuclear waste from other reactors? Is that is that something that's possible? Absolutely. And you can build the, the molten salt reactor right near, right on top of almost. the. the that's waste. what you were talking about. You can build it on top of the other one. You know, I always worried about, you know, if you're, if you're going to bring it to this, you know, this, uh, what is it, that mountain in, in um, Nevada. Yucca Mountain. Wants, yeah. Yucca Mountain. That nobody yeah. wants, you know, this to happen. I mean, the, the residents don't want it. The Native Americans don't want it. Nobody no wants, one wants it. it. And yeah. yet it's being done. This is not the way. You know, we've got to do things voluntarily. And if this is suddenly fuel that makes money, you know, someone is going to, make a reactor on top of it and make money hopefully and it will actually be safer than just leaving it there to to fester uh and slowly get its uh you know slowly uh uh you know go through its its multi-thousand year long half-life you can actually utilize it for many years and lower its half-life in the in the, the interim talk to us about specifics as much as you can what is it like right now? We know that this technology works. We know that it is scalable. We know that it's possible to make smaller reactors because of the fact that um, that it doesn't require this big, massive facility. You can have these smaller reactors so you can have, you know, uh, mini and micro reactors across the country. It's also safer. You could potentially have large vehicles using this, uh, meaning like, uh, you know, like boats and things that are using this for commercial applications and airplanes and everything else. What is it that's actually stopping this from happening? Like if I wanted to go out and start making a, a, a thorium reactor, what is actually stopping me from being, being able to do this on a commercial scale? Um, if you're in China, nothing, I think. I mean, when the Chinese do this and suddenly start making the reactor that fits in one or two shipping containers, it right. is going to change the world. And I'm not against this. You know, everyone thinks of China as the enemy and all that. And maybe it's because I have Chinese family, too. But I don't think of them as the enemy. I want them to be our friends. I want them to prosper. I, I think them prospering will make me prosper. I'm not a particularly big fan of their government, but I'm not a big fan of our government, you know? <laughs> That's true. That's true. But so here in the U.S., what is it that's stopping people? Um, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission would definitely frown upon 
Ricky Dale Harrington saying, oh, fuck you, you're the feds. But I think Ricky Dale Harrington should say that anyway. I mean, he could hire me to go say it. You know, he, he could hire much more competent people than me, though. So this is so basically so the NRC is is making this uh, prohibitively expensive for people to be able to actually be able to do this. So we're stuck with uh, you never what's get that? A license in the first place. Yeah, they don't just give permission for new kinds of nuclear reactors these days. <laughs> there hasn't, in fact, there hasn't been a new type of nuclear reactor built in like thirty something years, right? Yeah, and they don't even do traditional ones, you know. And because of this Price Anderson nonsense, you know, the the traditional ones have a cushy insurance, you know, subsidy basically, and they're they're not really looking forward to insuring new types of them. And I'm saying, okay, on that, I agree. Let's make Warren Buffett or somebody who's really really greedy and careful insure these things because you know I would insure something that that relies on gravity as a pump much sooner than I would insure something that relies on pumps. I've had headaches with pumps, especially in motors. Pumps are very prone to failure. So this is a perfect example of how government screws things up, right? So we have, you know, bad regulations, lack of accountability for crony businesses, crowding out of, of innovation and, and new disruptive people in a, in, a, in a space because that would threaten the market share of the people that are in there. Um, it also would threaten energy prices. So there's also the factor that uh, if this doesn't work for big oil, uh, if it pro drives down the price of energy so that now oil isn't an effective and efficient way to provide energy, suddenly big oil's at threat, uh, which actually which hurts the military industrial complex two ways there, uh, both threatening their, their nuclear stockpile and their their justifications for for uh, for fossil fuel energy for their um, uh, uh, military uh, expeditionary uh, forces and things like that. Um, so there's many factors of why, Government is the only people, government and its cronies are the only people that do not want this to happen. But that's yeah. enough. They're the only ones who have a say in whether it happens or not. What are the things that you would tell people that want to push for uh, energy from thorium? What, what are some of the things that we can be doing in terms of activism, in terms of you know, uh, co coalition building? What's the kind of stuff that people can be doing to try to get nuclear uh, energy from thorium out there and get more people aware of it? Well, first of all, if you can, definitely volunteer for Ricky's campaign. But also, I've, I've neglected to mention this about Ricky Dale Harrington, but he, he was so kind to me. Uh, all this kindness I get from libertarians, it's just touching. But what he is going to do, he is coming to Florida, and he we must find a libertarian, at least small L, fishing guide to get him a tarpon, a monster tarpon. We want a photograph of him releasing a huge, huge tarpon. He also should get, uh, we want him to get some grouper for the table, some snapper, something like that. But definitely a huge tarpon for his campaign. And we want him to come to Florida and we want him to have the best time of his life fishing. And ultimately, all right, I'm going to say this, it, it's controversial, but you know, I want him to move to Florida and I actually want you to move to Florida and I want all the Coens in South Carolina to move to Florida. I know I keep saying this, but it's true. Listen, I, I, there are there are a handful of places that are in the uh, the offing for potentially uh, for us to move. And uh, the uh, there are uh, two or three of those spots are in Florida. There's the Gulf Coast, there's the Miami area and there's the Keys. 
Uh, and my wife also likes the Jacksonville area. So there's, I guess technically there's four areas uh, in, in Florida. Um, the, tra- the traffic will make you want to kill people. You know, that's what my, see, that's what she says. Bueno. Martha Bueno is the greatest, by the way. I mean, oh, Martha I, I Bueno is say, amazing. I should say that Martha Bueno is so fantastic. And I need to meet that uncle of hers that introduced her, that gave us Martha. There's an uncle that I have yet to meet and I have to buy him a drink. I have to buy him dinner. Well, we can we can we can crowdsource that. We can all buy him dinner. Um, I you know I I like I I have to say I'm partial to Miami, but only because I got to have a day off there during the campaign. Uh, but my wife had to deal with the traffic, and she said I would hate the traffic. So I I th- is is the your is the Tampa Bay area that's better on traffic? Every every place in Florida is better on traffic than Miami. I mean I I don't even want to describe that. You know we what we need for traffic problems is drones we need electric drones you know it it, with robots i don't want drinking and driving to be even a problem anymore i want to be able to be kicking ass drunk and some drone from uber just comes and takes me where i want to go without any traffic or delays or any of that stuff so we could spend uh, you have like 15 different pet projects that you're trying to better society with through sheer force of will I, I, we have to hyper focus on thorium so that we won't be here until no, two no, in the morning. No, 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 that's good. No, you're right. No, all of your ideas are great. Uh, we just, you know, we have limited time. So, getting to thorium, um, one uh, amazing thing about thorium, besides the fact that it is safer and cheaper and cleaner than even the current existing nuclear used nuclear technologies, which are themselves safer and cleaner and, 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 and cheaper than pretty much any other form of, of, of sustainable form of energy. Um, but one of the really cool things about thorium is that it allows us to build towards the future in a couple different ways by driving down the price of energy. If the price of energy, you remove one or two zeros from the cost of the price of energy, then suddenly you've got, you know, all of the innovations that come from that. Two specific ones I want to talk about is how it can be used to build the next, uh, to, to work towards the next generation of energy production and also innovations for things like uh, innovating for fixing things with climate change. Can you talk about those two things? Yeah, um, really, if electricity gets cheap enough, then CO2 turns from a pollutant to a resource, you know, instantly. There's a price point, and I don't know exactly where it is, but I'm certain that if my electric bill goes down to 20% of what it was tomorrow, that's one of the effects, you know, CO2... You know, Greta Thunberg will have to find something else to, you know, be upset about. I'm certain she, right. I'm certain she and, and her time. She'll find will. something. No, we'll find something for Greta. But but right. when you say that it would make CO2 into a into a resource, how exactly would that happen? There, all you, all you have to do is have cheap enough electricity to split hydrogen and oxygen and then you have the hydro part and co2 is the carbon part you have these there are machines that will suck co2 out of the air you combine them with some power you know cheap power now and you have a liquid fuel with no drilling with no overseas wars with no tankers with various no costs you know you have some costs zapping it into existence out of thin air is obviously going to be a cost 
But, you know, compared to having wars, I don't think it's much of a cost. And, you know, that's that's a thing. War pollutes. Everybody talks about pollution and they yep. all the hand wringing about Bitcoin, especially when the price gets going nuts. The hand wringing about Bitcoin goes nuts. And nobody talks about the pollution of war. And yep. war is the most polluting thing. I mean, Humans are terrible. And on that subject, okay, now that I've yammered long enough that nobody's listening to this thing anyway, let's talk about the very end of that five-minute video. <laughs> people are, first of all, people are still listening. I just want to note that, but go ahead. All right. But the very end of that five-minute video, you know, Kirk Sorensen said people had had slaves for thousands of years. And when we harnessed carbon as our slaves, suddenly we were able to, to become human beings to our, each other, or at least try to. Okay. And we knew that about, you know, oil companies saving the whales or something, but we didn't, I didn't know it really about, you know, that, you know, it's not that our war, our our war was a better war and that ended slavery, you know? What ended slavery was technology. And so this is vitally yeah. important. Technology can end the rest of the slavery that people have, you know, instituted. I know that this sounds far-fetched to some people, you know, and maybe it is, but I'm, I'm, I'm certain, I'm convinced that there are benefits that we will have if this happens that we can't imagine you know it's easy to imagine the, the you know cheaper electric bill stuff but the unimaginable right. benefits that's the the key the prosperity for other people you know the there are there are such cool people in this movement not just ricky dale harrington um caitlin cloven she volunteered i mean i have just such the coolest people in this you know it just it's the greatest and thank you for doing this show. Oh, of course. I listen, man. I love you. I'm I'm glad to give you a platform for it. But I, I want to. So when you're talking about pulling the the carbon, out, you're literally talking about technology that exists now, but it's just too cost prohibitive to do it on a mass scale. But if you could reduce the cost of the energy, you take a couple zeros off the cost of the energy. Now the uh, the technology to literally pull the carbon out of the air and to combine it with hydrogen to make a a liquid fuel. Uh, hydrogen and oxygen to make a burn a, a usable liquid fuel. Now, not only are you creating a source of energy, but you're also s literally pulling the carbon out of the uh, out of the air and reducing uh, reducing actually remediating the greenhouse gas effect. That's my understanding of it. That's incredible. That is incredible. And then, of course, any generation of uh, energy any 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 creation of a new form of, of electricity or a new form of energy production like for example nuclear fusion which we've been, I mean I I remember when they were tell, saying when I was a kid that that was 10 15 20 years away I'm now 38 they're telling me it's 10 15 20 years away I'm told that when other people were in their 20s and 30s back in the 70s and 80s they were told that it was 10 15 20 years away it seems to perpetually be 10 15 20 years away and a big reason for that is because with all of the innovation that has been happening they keep discovering that there's even more stuff that they didn't even know that they needed to know by reducing the cost of energy, again, taking exponentially reducing the cost of energy, that allows what's happening to happen exponentially faster because there's a cost built in to all of this innovation that, that happens, not just in energy, but in anything. So what you're talking about is we can talk about, oh, wow, my energy bill is that much less. That's, much, that, that's more money I can spend at the shop or whatever. But what, what 
we're not thinking about, and it, it's hard to even calculate, is what that actually looks like to society. What innovations being able to happen exponentially faster because they're exponentially cheaper looks like. What communities that right now cannot afford energy, uh, being able to afford energy and mass energy because they, it's actually been brought down to their level, then being able to prosper. You know, the developing nations now being able to develop so much faster, not at the expense of us, but at the expense of, of, of big oil and the, and the uh, you know, the, the energy cartels that exist right now. Um, when and not you just see energy, also water, I mean, it's so vital yeah. to have water and this will give everyone clean water and we can we can clean up Florida's aquifers. You know, right now they're pumping some of this horrible mess. into yeah. well, you know, and then they pump sewage down there. They do all kinds of crazy things. And the, the government in this state just drives me crazy sometimes with what they do to water. But we if we had abundant cheap water maybe they wouldn't do such stupid things they'd be their stupid things would be less impactful on our lives so what james is talking about if you don't know in in uh, tampa bay there are these giant uh, i forget the names of them but they're these giant basically retention ponds of phosphorated water that are filled with basically toxic sludge and they've been sitting there for decades they're just waiting for them to evaporate slowly over time there's no way that hurts the the air quality by by any means but anyway they've been just letting it sit there not really sure what to do with it and they just found out a couple days ago that uh the one of the wells is falling apart uh or one of the ponds uh the walls are falling apart and there is a very real threat in certain parts by the way are you in this part of tampa bay that's that they're doing the evacuation orders no but my friend als patient and cannabis activist kathy jordan is what was in the evacuation zone they didn't have to evacuate her but it's actually worse than what you were saying spike yeah because they have been ignoring the the hemp for water idea there's, there's a group hemp the numeral four water that's been trying mm -hmm. to you know use the the hemp plant to clean up the everglades and not just these you know crappy phosphate ponds which are going to be hard to clean up because they're very acidic but yeah. all the, yeah. the water heading down into the everglades has way too much nitrogen and hemp is the plant kingdom's champion at pulling nitrogen out of the out of the water. And the thing is, for 20 years, these idiots have been telling me, oh, you just want that because you want to get stoned, you know, and acting like I don't even care about Florida's environment when I'm the only person I know who has been water self-sufficient for a period. I'm not anymore um, in, in Florida that I know on rain. And, you know, it's just it's nuts. It's hypocritical. Our enemies are terrible people sometimes. They're really, you know, drive me nuts. <laughs> so, yeah, no. And it, I mean, it's it's a huge problem. And it's this is a perfect example of what happens when the actors that created this nonsense aren't held accountable and it's left to the state and the taxpayer to deal with it. And you end up with giant retention ponds filled with sludge that are slowly disintegrating so that eventually uh, they described it as a potential 20 foot tall tsunami of sludge hitting entire neighborhoods uh on the i believe southeast part of of tampa bay but uh this is what happens when government's in charge when we get government out of the way and we allow uh innovators to do what they do and to innovate you could end up with your your you know energy bill being i mean just for people out there that are spending let's say two three hundred bucks uh or even four hundred bucks a month on uh on electricity or if they're up north and or in an area with natural gas maybe a combination of electricity and natural gas so you're spending thousands of dollars imagine if it was tens of dollars 
Imagine if the cost of energy went down so much that instead of spending 5,000 bucks a year on energy or maybe 10,000, depending on your household, thousands of dollars a year, take the first two zeros off of that. Now you're spending tens of dollars a year on energy. Now it's a nuisance fee. Now it's not, it's less than what you're paying for phone and internet. Oh, and your phone and internet cost goes down too, because they also, all their bills go down and everything that you use, the price goes down because their costs go down and their profits go up. Their profits go up, their costs go down. They're able to filter those profits into research and development so that now new innovations can happen faster and more efficiently because their costs are down and their access to energy is higher. That's how you get that next generation of societal benefits that comes from innovation. And all we have to do, you can correct me if I'm wrong, James, all we have to do is just have government let us do it instead of trying to impose something that we don't want on us. Exactly. And, and that's why it's so important for us to get behind good politicians like Ricky Dale Harrington and support him in his work. I'm, I really, you know, I, I wish we could have done more to help him in his other campaign against this Tom mm -hmm. Cotton dude, because now we're seeing the results of that, you know, Tom Cotton's an idiot. And we could have, we could have a, a voice of reason up there in the Senate, you know, if we had somehow, I don't know, I guess it would have taken more money, probably would have taken fooling Cotton into actually debating him, because he's... That's he's what it would have taken. He, he sounds like, let me tell you something, if I'm a rioting prison inmate, if I hear his voice, I'm going to, I'm going to quit beating the guard and listen to him. You know, he's, he's got a voice. I mean, it's just Oh, Ricky, R Ricky is incredible. So I did an event with Ricky Har Harrington in Arkansas last year. And I, I've spoken on the phone with him a few days. He's a friend of mine. Um, I went to an event with him and I spoke, uh, at a, uh, a forum that we had outside, uh, with, uh, about, um, cause this was during, you know, lockdowns and, and everything and, you know, everything had to be outside. It was, it was 40, the weather was in the forties. I was not dressed for that. And I'm also not from places where it's common for, for the, the, the temperatures to be in the forties. And I'm, I'm doing this, uh, this, um, criminal justice reform forum outside with, uh, Ricky Dale Harrington and another guy by the name of Phil Fletcher, uh, who is, uh, a, a homeless, uh, a homeless and previously incarcerated activist and advocate. Uh, he's also building he's an incredible you should talk with him they, you guys would love each other he's building a uh he's working on building a a, a a tiny home community for uh the previously homeless um but anyway so we're having this conversation and i'm freezing i feel like i'm freezing to death slowly um and honestly if i had continued to stay out there i would have died at some point it probably would have taken at least another hour but i'm sitting out there and i'm thinking this is what it's like for your body to shut down slowly and yet anytime that ricky talked I felt at total peace with what was happening. I thought, if I'm going to die, then I'll die here sitting a few feet from Ricky while he's explaining how we're going to solve the world's ill. He just has such a calming effect. And uh, yeah, no, Tom Cotton, he was a coward to not debate Ricky, but he was also smart. The dumbest thing he could have done was to be standing in direct contrast to Ricky Harrington. Uh, you know, Ricky Harrington on a shoestring budget uh, was able to get, you know, 30, what, 34% of the vote. Uh, in a two-way race against a very, very well-funded and well-known Republican who is on the short list of Republicans who are going to run for, for the presidential nomination in the future. He did incredibly well, and uh, anything we can do to help him in the future would, would be very, very helpful. And I'm glad to hear that he signed on to this, because I really do believe um, that thorium 
is the, at least for now, the best chance we have to have the cleanest and most affordable and most efficient and most uh, carbon neutral and, and, and not just carbon neutral, net negative carbon, uh, once you can factor in the technologies it can foster, um, form of energy that we have until we get to um, fusion and those types of things. And frankly, I think that the only way we can event, that we can get to fusion in our lifetime or even in the lifetime of, of you know kids right now is through thorium and the, the innovation boost that it will provide. You know, fission's the first step. We've got to do that. I mean, I, yep. I love the idea of speculating about fusion, but, you know, I'll speculate about anything. That that Mars helicopter, you know, NASA's driving me crazy by saying they only want to use it five times. I say fly the damn thing into the dirt. My goodness. We've got a helicopter. What, yeah, what are you saving it for? Yeah, what are you saving this drone for? It's in Mars. I mean, they're planning only five missions. You know, it's like the NASA wants to drive me crazy. I'm convinced. You know, they, you know, they, they have various ways of doing it. And they're, you know, it's it's like oh, let's see what we can do to have to experiment on him. You know. Well, we want we want to stop them from doing that. But um, listen, James, you are incredible, and you have done a, a fantastic job explaining. Uh, why thorium is the future forward, and more than more important than the fact that you're explaining it. As I said before in my introduction to you, every time I hear a libertarian, not just within the party, but just in the libertarian sphere, talk about energy from thorium, and I hear them say the exact same things that I've said, the exact same things that they've heard from that I've heard from you, without fail, I say, I wonder if James Ray was behind this, and without fail, I find out, yes, you were either directly or indirectly behind this person now talking about energy from thorium. So the work that you're doing within the movement uh, cannot be measured. Um, and, you know, when libertarians are able to, uh, you know, you want to talk about having a having a, a, a niche in market uh, to, you know, we're the only ones talking about this. And when we are able to use this and other things to propel ourselves into office and actually get this stuff done, it's going to be in large part to the work that you laid down. So I am very grateful to you Don't for doing that. Too much credit, though. Tom Woods, you know, I, I pestered Tom Woods into doing a show and actually for the record, by the way, Tom Woods should actually have an energy from Thorium week. He should have Kirk Sorensen on for a whole week. Like, I'm not satisfied with one Tom Woods show anymore. I want a Tom Woods week of shows on energy from Thorium. And and Tom knows that. And eventually I might test my way into getting Thorium. He has to fill a show a day. You know, I I do shows when I feel like it. You know, you have a much I, more- I do them once a week and he Tom does one every day. So he could definitely, he, need, he needs to fill it. But it's going to be because of the work that you've done that, uh, that allows that to happen. Now, James, be, before I let you go, I want to give you the floor, give you a chance to say anything that you didn't get a chance to say about Thorium or anything else. I know you've got many different projects you're working on, so you can talk about it. Tell people how they can continue to uh, to stay in touch with you uh, for as long as you need. Uh, James M. Ray, the floor is yours. Okay, I'm on Facebook as James M. Ray until I get kicked off. I'm on Twitter as James Milton Ray. James Milton Ray, just all, the, all one word. Um, I'm on various other media, like we should be on float. You know, I feel guilty because I, I saw your show about float and, and we should be on that and, and the, the cooler ones. And eventually Facebook will finally kick me off. But, you know, all my high school boomer friends on Facebook. But thank you so much for your kindness. Oh, thank, of course. I'd like to thank all of the libertarians for all of their kindness that they've shown me over the years, not just on this sub- subject, but on 
a lot of subjects, you know, the movement kind of runs on kindness in the end, although it doesn't seem that way sometimes when we're all fractious with each other. But, you know, our, our enemies are scared of us and they're scared of us for a reason. You know, yep. we have unimaginable good on our side and these people that, that we have are the coolest libertarians in the movement, you know, and the Waffle House Caucus. I'll give you that. <laughs> Um, oh no! The the world the, the this party. Let's be clear. I, I don't want to take from your floor. You, I'll give you the floor back shortly. This party will not advance without the Waffle House Caucus. Let's be very clear about that. Sorry. Go ahead. And and I love the Waffle House Caucus. By the way, I believe. Okay, I, I know nothing about this because I never know anything until they do it. But I believe that one of the LPF um, events will be catered by the Waffle House or catered from a Waffle House or. Oh, something like that. I don't know, but it's going to be it's going to be great fun, and we have such great people. Mark Tanser, who who is our our roots to our past, because everybody's focused on Bitcoin, but we also have a past in the precious metals industry, and, and gold and silver is very important. You know, our mm-hmm. our history, the the old coins and stuff like that are, are just very important. We have other people. You know, Stephen Nicalia has done enormous work, and it, it's mostly you know uncredited and um you know the, the other people in, in the party i mean I, I can't even stand their phone calls i may be able to stand their phone calls again i don't know i couldn't stand them for a while that's for sure but you know i'm, I'm not really good with the intermachinations of parties i'm good with you know just going out and doing things on my own sometimes they work like energy for thorium stuff sometimes they don't really work like my give us back 190 proof booze stuff but you know i have these different advocacy things and it, you know if you want something done in this movement you basically have to work to do it yourself you know and if you're right and if you're doing good things then other people will join on and hopefully the energy from thorium caucus i mean right now i i looked and i guess i'm the leader we don't really have any rules or anything and so i'm afraid like like most of my groups like the sarasota libertarians it's an anarchy again and i'm not that much of an anarchist i i'm sort of you know into some structure, aren't I? I don't well, know. I mean, you can have voluntary structure. Right? That's what it. That's what it is. But yeah, I mean, you are the. If if there is a if there is a hierarchy uh, of the uh, of any hierarchy in the LP Energy from Thorium Caucus, you are clearly at the top of it. But so James M Ray on Facebook and James at James Milton Ray on Twitter. And again, keep going. You, you say what you need and to I'm say. One of, I'm one of the few people that is actually followed by the Spike Cohen. So I feel, I feel very proud of that. And, yeah, and you are officially you. followed. And by the way, uh, let me say something about comedy, okay? All right. For, first of all, the funniest thing I have ever heard about you is from your wife saying that you're not funny. Because yes. that is hilarious, okay? Spike Cohen is the funniest candidate we have ever run. And so was Berman Supreme, you know. I was a supporter in the end. And I love Berman. Okay. I, I, I'm so glad that he's still active in the party and he's, he's doing the right thing. Okay. He's getting things done with the Berman Supreme Institute. He's not, you know, arguing with the rest of the party about what they should do or whatever. He is helping people with he's his Berman Supreme Institute. Done. I am trying to do the same kind of thing, you know, cause to the extent that I'm inside the party, you know, I'm, I'm, I end up infuriating people. Even when I don't mean to infuriate people, I infuriate them, you know, and I definitely mean to infuriate the Democrats and Republicans, but I don't want to be known for just being infuriating because, you know, I, I remember Harry Reid for, you know, how how loving and kind he was. And I want to be right. remembered for being kind and loving, too, you know. 
Well, you definitely don't infuriate me. So you got that going for you. You do have me following you, and you guys should be following him too. James M. Ray on Facebook, at James Milton, M-I-L-T-O-N, Ray uh, on Twitter, and uh, the LP Energy from Thorium Caucus Facebook group. Um, and then you've got like 600 other Facebook groups too, but you start with the thorium caucus, uh, the energy from thorium caucus, and then he'll, 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 he'll ray pill you into all the other caucuses as well. Uh, but so sure, sure, sure. You are the power. No, I'm no, no, no. I'm Spike Cohen. You are the power. I say that that's, it's not, I'm not the, I'm the one person who's not, there's the Venn diagram process of elimination. You must be the power. No, I'm Spike Cohen. So the the Venn diagram is a tiny dot that says Spike Cohen and then this giant circle that says the power and that's everyone else. And they don't touch. There is zero overlap. James, I love you. Thank you so much for coming on. You were great. Stick around. We're going to talk during the uh, during the outro. But folks, thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of My Fellow Americans. I hope that you were as... Uh, um, illuminated and educated on this uh, issue as as I have been. I think it's incredible and you should find out more. So be sure to follow James and the Libertarian Party Thorium Energy from Thorium Caucus. Uh, tomorrow night is the writer's block. And I don't know who Matt's guest is. So I got to look that up right now. Matt's guest. You're not going to believe who Matt's guest is. Neither is I. Because where is it? Here we go. Writer's block. Uh, James's or James's. Matt's guest uh, is Nicole Schultz, who is running for lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. Uh, that'll be right here on Muddy Waters Media on Thursday. Uh, this weekend, I am going to be doing participating in a sit-in for the Humane Society of North Myrtle Beach, which is uh, the animal shelter where I got Axel and our uh, other dog Zeus and all of our shelter dogs. We got them from there. I will be doing the sit-in there on Sunday. Uh, I'll be live streaming it. Uh, any uh, uh, donate, we're trying to raise donations and, and funds. Uh, they won't let us out of the kennel. We actually have to stay there until we raise the money. It's We, we are being d- detained. So uh, be sure to help us there. Uh, that's on Sunday. I'll be live streaming around one o'clock. Um, and then, what, were you saying something? There's one more thing. I messed up. I forgot to promote it. But on 420 with Princess Rebulet, I am doing a cooking show about cannabis and chemistry and physics. No, okay, on 420. Yes, on 420. Princess is in charge. <laughs> is that part of the is that part of the day long live stream on 420? Yes, yes. And yeah, so I'll be she, I'll be a part of that too. Oh, cool. Okay. Anyway, I, I'm giving away all my cooking secrets, and my edibles are different than other people's edibles because mine mine aren't sweet; they're tangy. So I have pop pesto and hempy hummus and fun stuff like that. Ooh, hempy hummus. Ooh. I have a CBD version too. It, it's non-psychoactive, Spike. I love hummus. Uh, me too. It's the best. Can you have CBD? Is that on your list, or I don't know? Yeah, yeah. No, I can have CBD. I can have CBD. Um, well, now I now I want to try the hummus. Anyway, so uh, so uh, tune in for four twenty. We'll actually both be part of that live stream. It's the People for Liberty four twenty live stream. Um, but so uh, then on this coming Tuesday. Uh, join uh, us right back here uh, for another episode, the next episode of uh, the Muddy Waters of Freedom, where Matt Wright and I parse through the week's event like the sweet little 2020 Wonder Boys that we are. And then join me right back here next Wednesday, same spike time, same spike place, for another phantasmic episode of 
my fellow Americans. Uh, and in the meantime, you guys have a great rest of your evening. We will see you very soon. Thank you again for tuning in. I'm Spike Cohen, and you are the power. You're the power. I'm Spike. Co- I'm not the power. You're Spike. You're the power. I'm Spike Cohen. You are the power. God bless, guys. Open up the only fine I'm in line There's a 